0: Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope things are going well for you. Kind of a busy day for me. We are preparing to go to Washington, DC and kind of a short notice was not planning on going by the time you listen to this, we will be back, but I'm trying to record this before I go because I'm trying to take care of future Natasha. And that's a skill that we should teach our kids and ourselves, like take care of our future selves, be kind to our future selves. And so I'm trying to take care of my future Natasha, the one that's currently walking around the planet about now and get this done before him. So, today I want to talk to you about why rationalizing with OCD is not only not helpful at all, but I'm going to talk to you about why it's harmful. And none of us want to do things that are going to harm our child's success with crushing anxiety or OCD, but a lot of times we inadvertently do things. And this this topic, this episode is specific for OCD. Not anxiety, and I can also touch on the difference and why it's not harmful at all. In fact, it's it's a good tool to use with anxiety. I'll go into that a little bit today, but why it is definitely harmful for OCD. But before we get started, if you've been looking for an OCD therapist and you've struggled, try NoCD. NoCD is sponsoring this episode, and they offer affordable, effective, convenient therapy, and they're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if no cd is a right fit for you and your child just go to treatmyocd.com that's treatmyocd.com i will leave a link in the show notes okay so when i say rationalizing let's just break this down what is she even talking about a lot of times i mean it's intuitive for us to approach our child or teen's issues with logic with rational understanding, rational conversation. And it's a very easy thing, not only for parents, but also not well-trained clinicians to want to explain why that child doesn't need to be doing that compulsion or why they don't need to be worrying about that. And I'll give you some examples. You know, there's no bird poop in this house. I mean, why would there be bird poop, right? The birds are outside, not inside. So why do you need to wash your hands all the time or, or avoid touching the doorknobs? Because let's just go outside together and we'll look, do you see any birds that could come inside? How could they come inside? Okay. That's an example. And I'm gonna, I can't give you an example that's going to hit your house specifically. Uh, I'd be here all day and still not be able to find an example for every single person, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. You might say, you know, you already checked the toilet. And so you don't need to check it again because you know, it's flushed. Or you already checked the locks multiple times, or you already inspected the cups, or you know, a little bit of dust in a cup isn't gonna kill you. I mean, there's dust particles everywhere, so it's really not that bad. You don't need to worry about what microscopic stuff is on your food or in your on your plates. Or, you know, just because you think he's a bad person doesn't mean that your backpack is bad because he touched it. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, His badness being a bad person or his bad decisions isn't rubbing off on the backpack. So you can touch your backpack. It's not bad, right? (laughs) Or, you know, you're not a bad person because you had that thought. Don't worry about it. You know, you said that you thought I was fat, but you didn't mean it. It's okay. Like we all have thoughts like that. Don't worry about it. That's actually not even rationalizing, but that's actually accommodating because you're giving in to the compulsive urge to confess their thoughts to you. Let's see what, what's another one. I'm worried I might've said something or I might've done something. Anyway, you get my point. When we talk to OCD, like OCD is rational, we've already missed the entire aspect of how OCD works. OCD is often, and not always, but often irrational. It's often nonsensical. And the person who has OCD, depending on their age, knows that, they know that they've already washed their hands three times and that they don't need to wash it a fourth, fifth, or sixth time. They know that they already checked the locks. They know that those things are not contaminated, but their brain just won't let them let go. And so as kids especially get older, you'll see that you know it's incongruent. Their thoughts and worries are incongruent to their the level of intelligence that they have around the topic. So when you go in and you rationalize why knocking two times before you leave the house doesn't make sense, it's not going to keep me alive. You know, I know you need to compulsively do that, but you're not saving anybody. They know that. So I do say, and I just want to have a little caveat here. I do like some psychoeducation because we're dealing with kids. And so I will typically educate a child the first time related to their OCD theme. And then that is it. And so let's say they're worried about salmonella and they're worried about eggs and they are so nervous. They, they can't touch the refrigerator because they're afraid that maybe there's eggs in there. And because there's eggs in there, maybe they'll get salmonella, right? So it's rational To be afraid of, not be afraid, to be cautious of egg yolk or egg, not yolk, but just like raw egg, right? It's a normal thing to teach our kids. I'm just using this as an example. Like you replace it with whatever you're dealing with at your house. But yeah, it's normal. We want to teach our kids to go wash your hands after you like crack an egg open or get raw egg on your hand. No big deal, right? Just one time. But it's irrational to avoid the entire refrigerator. It's irrational maybe to avoid the entire kitchen. It's irrational to say, I can never touch my mom because she's contaminated because sometimes she makes eggs. So sometimes what our kids are worrying about is rational, but the level of severity or how much they ruminate or are concerned about it goes above and beyond. Don't get hung up on that stuff. But I would say, let's say to the child who came into my office and they are not going to touch the refrigerator. I might have one psychoeducational discussion with them about salmonella and say, yes, you know, when you touch a raw egg, you want to wash your hands one time, then you're good to go. That's it, right? So it's okay to be cautious when you touch raw egg and then you're good to go or raw meat or whatever. You don't want to do that over and over again, but I do like the psychoeducational piece one time because they're kids. And so a lot of times they may not know. Some of them have sexual themes. We did a whole podcast on sexual intrusive thoughts. And I might have to educate them on certain aspects of development as they're having those intrusive thoughts or feelings. They might want to know about germs and they're young. And we want to educate them on germs in a way that just provides them with facts and not reassurance. So we just might say, blah, blah, blah. When my daughter started to get a new, more mature OCD theme, which she's not quite ready for me to talk about with anybody yet, I had to say to her, I had to normalize it and say, this is a very common OCD theme and you know what your true thoughts are about blah, blah, blah. And OCD is trying to make you feel like you don't believe that. And so we will have a pretty in-depth conversation one time, but then you don't rationalize with OCD. So when you see your child washing and rewashing and rewashing and rewashing, you don't say, you know, You already washed once and that's good enough. You don't need to wash that much more. They know that already. Or you already checked that over and over again. You don't need to check that again. Or you already asked me that question three times and I already told you. So why are you asking me again? You already know the answer. What that can do for kids and adults, anybody with OCD, is it can make them feel stupid. Because intellectually, they already know that. You're not telling them anything they don't know. It's not like they're like, oh, great. There's no bird poop in here. Well, I did not know that. Thank you for sharing. Now I'm not going to be worried about that. They already intellectually know. Most people intellectually know, especially as they get older. And so you wind up shaming them more. They feel embarrassed. They feel stupid. And what happens, and the reason why I said in the beginning of this episode that it actually can be more harmful, it's not just not a great thing to do, but it's, it can be harmful, is a couple things happen when we do that. So we're shaming them inadvertently because none of us want to shame our kids, but then OCD goes covert. And so OCD says, this is embarrassing. I'm an idiot. I do these stupid things. I know that I shouldn't have to do them, but I feel like I have to. I am so distressed. I can't stop. I'm upsetting my family. I'm, I'm making my dad angry. And so I'm going to try to hide this. I'm not going to try to stop it. Some people will think, well, that's good. I'll motivate them to stop. It doesn't typically. But what it does do is it makes them hide their compulsions. And OCD is very crafty. So OCD might say, let's not do the obvious ones. Let me come up with some compulsions that are a little bit less obvious. And what happens is then you start missing how severe your child's OCD is. You think, you know what? Things are good. I haven't seen him wash his hands. And maybe you're not seeing him lick them when he's in the toilet, because he wants to avoid you seeing him wash his hands because OCD doesn't make sense. That's actually a really good one. I've had quite a few kids in my practice where they're afraid of germs. And so their OCD says, if you're afraid of germs, lick your hands or lick your feet after they've walked in something that's disgusting. And rationally, you'd say, you're going to get yourself more sick by licking your hands. How does that make any sense at all that you're worried about germs? And so you lick your hands. Well, OCD doesn't make sense. OCD is not rational. So, having that conversation is not helpful. It's irrational for you to try to rationalize with OCD. And so, don't be irrational. (laughs) Don't try to rationalize with OCD. So, when OCD goes undercover, OCD will create mental compulsions or non obvious compulsions. And you might say, well, that's better, but it's actually not because any compulsion is paving those neural pathways, growing the OCD neurologically, and creating a bigger problem. It doesn't matter whether it's a mental compulsion or really obvious compulsion or a hidden compulsion or a compulsion that involves you or a compulsion that doesn't involve you. A compulsion is a compulsion is a compulsion. And they all grow those neural pathways that increase OCD struggles. And we don't want that. And so we don't want OCD to go to go covert. And developmentally, it is actually kind of normal for it to do that anyway. I'm noticing with my 10 year old that it's taking me a lot longer to get her to tell me her themes. When new tentacles of the octopus pop up, it'll be a day or two or three before she'll actually tell me. And so I'm not worried because that's normal developmentally. Like at her age, they're getting more secretive, more private. She's getting more adult themes in her OCD. And so I have to do all the right things to keep that communication open. It's not a one and done. It's not like our communication is open and then it stays open. It is a dynamic, ever evolving relationship. And at any point it can be shut down or it could be opened back up. And so we want to do everything we can to facilitate and foster trust and communication. And that requires us to pay attention to how we talk to our kids, how we approach their OCD. And how we cheerlead them. And even when we have good intentions, if it's not well received, or if it's something that's kind of on the uh oh, don't do list, it will shut down communication and it will create more shame. The problem is there is a ripple effect. And so self esteem is a big ripple in the pool of OCD. Kids already feel stupid. There's a million memes out there that don't understand OCD. And so their peers and social media and society at large misunderstand their disorder and think that they're a meme and make a joke of it. And we don't want to add to that inadvertently. And we do that when we rationalize with their OCD, because we're saying you're stupid. None of us would say that outright. None of us would want to convey that, but that is what we're doing when we say, you know, you already washed three times, or you know that you can touch that. It's not dirty. Or why are you repeating yourself? You already asked me three times, or why do you have to walk in that weird pattern? It, it wastes our time. Those comments as helpful as you're trying to be will make the person feel stupid. And then their self-esteem takes a bigger hit than it already is. because Self-esteem is actually a very big issue with OCD. Unfortunately, the, the rate of suicides and depression and other comorbid conditions Increase as the child gets older, as we don't work on their self esteem or provide them the tools that are necessary for them to feel hopeful that they can minimize the impact OCD has on their life. And so we don't want to be that ripple. The other thing I want to add is it also impacts their ability or their lack of ability to talk to therapists. So when we start rationalizing with them and they haven't seen a therapist yet, or they're having maybe a difficult time connecting with their therapist. We're adding to that because they're going to take your message, which inadvertently is saying, You're an idiot because you keep doing behaviors that don't make any sense. And I'm going to share with you the information so that you can stop doing that idiotic behavior. <laughs> I laugh but just because none of us want to say that, but it's kind of inadvertently what's being conveyed. And they're going to generalize that. Everybody's going to think I'm an idiot, or everybody's going to think that this is irrational. And I'm a moron for believing. Or, or not even believing is probably the wrong word. I'm a moron for feeling like I have to do this behavior or have this thought or take this action or ask this question or avoid this thing. I'm embarrassed. And I'm not gonna tell a therapist about it because she's gonna think, or he's gonna think I'm an idiot, that I'm just a moron. And so we shut down treatment options and people can live a whole life of embarrassment and shame and guilt and struggle and silence. And so we don't want that. All right. So you, I'm sure you get my point. None of us want to do that. This is all unintentional and it is a knee jerk reaction to rationalize. I do find myself getting caught in that cycle of rationalizing with my child's OCD, especially when a new theme pops up. But I also want you to know that you're human. You're going to make mistakes. You're, you know, I Always make mistakes. I'm definitely not perfect. None of us are. And so there's going to be times where you're going to talk to OCD in a very rational way. And then you're going to realize, what am I doing? It doesn't make any sense. And when your child has a new theme, give yourself a little bit more grace because I think it's okay to have a conversation that weaves in some rational thoughts, some psychoeducation. And I will actually say to my kids stuff like, okay, I'm only going to tell you this once. And this is reassurance, but I'm also going to, you know, just talk to your OCD and I'm going to da, 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 da. And then I will do things that, you know, may not be helpful for OCD, but I just want to make sure that they understand educationally why this germ isn't da, 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 or why they're having this intrusive thought or feeling. And so don't be black or white with this. There is a little leeway when your child has a new theme. Maybe they're afraid of something new and there is a little bit of education that you can provide for them. And then then you, you stop rationalizing. And what you do instead is all the things that I talk about in all of my resources, which is helping them understand what OCD is, helping them identify what their intrusive thoughts or feelings are, helping them realize what their compulsions are. And then when you see them doing a compulsion, there should be a plan. And so creating a therapeutic home environment is key so that you're not just shooting at the hips. Is that an expression? Shooting at the hips. <laughs> okay. I actually had to pause and Google that because I was like, that is so wrong, but what shooting from the hips. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Sometimes English is a challenge for me, but you don't want to just do this willy-nilly. You want to have a plan. You want to be intentional about it. And I remember when my youngest was a toddler and she went through a period of time where she would not sleep. And she was a very anxious toddler. And we had been, well, she had always had some sleep struggles, but we just hit like the wall. She was like not sleeping at all. And I was at my wit's end. I did not know what to do. I was overwhelmed. I was sleep deprived. I was just paralyzed with like, how am I going to get this kid to sleep? Because I'm exhausted and I don't know what to do. And my husband said, well, what would you tell your clients? (laughs) Which I could have taken the wrong way, but he was right. I was like so close to the problem. That I had to zoom out and think, let me pretend this isn't me for a minute. And a family's coming to me with a toddler who isn't sleeping. What would I say? And then there was like an order to what I would do. There was a system. It was systematic. It wasn't just fix this problem. It wasn't like it's a problem and now it's not a problem. There was like a method that I did that I taught parents. And so I was just too close to the problem and I was so overwhelmed. I was just, you know, throwing... Water on oil, or I should probably just stop (laughs) with my metaphors today. So once I was able to have that clarity, then I had to say, okay, I'm not gonna fix this overnight. And I would have to like pretend what would I say to other people. And it was it was a process that took over, you know, it actually just took a week because once I started to have intention and I started to do things with intention, she got better. And then it was done. Thank the gods, because I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I was just, you know, it was exhausting but I'm talking to you about my daughter's sleep because I was overwhelmed and I was just throwing whatever I could to the, at the problem. And then when I became intentional and I had a method, I made progress. And it's the exact same thing with OCD, even more so I would have to argue because one, how you approach OCD is very counterintuitive. Everything that you do that is part of your maternal or paternal instinct Most of the time, it's not going to help OCD. My knee-jerk instinct is to rationalize and problem-solve the problem. You know, tell my child, oh, you know, like if you're afraid to touch that, let's just get some plastic gloves or you can get some sandwich bags and put them over your hands. That is not good. I'm teaching them how to do a compulsion or let me rationalize and tell them why they're safe. There's no germs on that thing you're touching because of blah, blah, blah. That's not going to help. That's actually going to grow their problem. So a lot of it's counterintuitive so you're not going to be able to wing it and you're going to want to systematically learn how to teach your kids what is OCD, how to identify their OCD themes, their intrusive thoughts or feelings, for you to identify what intrusive thoughts and feelings they have because they are varied. OCD is like, you know, 31 flavors of ice cream. It's like there's a million different ways OCD can show it show up. It's and they all look very different. And so you have to educate yourself on what to look for because symmetry Type of themes look very, very different to contamination issues, which look very, very different to moral OCD issues. And yet, your child could have all three of those and they're going to present very differently. You might have a child who's telling you, I feel like I'm a bad person, and then they're like not touching stuff, and then they're evening things out. And you're like, what is all that? And they're all different themes of OCD. All the same, intrusive thought or feeling, and the need to do or avoid something to get some brief relief, which is the framework of OCD, but it'll show up in different ways. So, you have to educate your ch- you have to educate yourself on that and then you have to educate your child on that. And then you're going to want to learn, you know, how do they approach this? And so when they have an intrusive thought or feeling, they're going to need to, you know, recognize it's OCD and then can they delay the compulsion? Can they ignore the compulsion over time? Can they do the opposite of the compulsion? And so, you know, teaching them those different ways to interact with their compulsion is key. And then at the crux of everything is ERP exposure response prevention, which is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy that parents need to learn in order to teach their kids and the kids need to learn it. And so it's a fantastic thing. If you have a therapist who specializes in ERP, who can teach your child and teach you, but ultimately ERP becomes kind of like the insulin to a diabetic. It is the thing, the tool that they're going to need throughout their life to tap into when they hit a bump, which most kids with OCD will hit bumps throughout their life. And that's okay because if they learn how to navigate those bumps, they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to do some exposures on this. This is what we do. And let me get started. So instead of throwing out some rational comment or trying to process and problem solve with your child, how you can navigate through this problem, you want to learn how to do exposures and ERP. And if your child is already learning that, whether it is through a course or through therapy or through a book, then you wanna tap in with your partner and the therapist and say, "Where, where are they at? And what's my role in helping my child with OCD? What is my role? Because you have a role to play. Everybody in the family has a role to play and they need to be assigned those roles. Because if you don't know what your role is, you're going to just jump in and throw things at the problem that might actually hurt the whole situation. And so you might want to say to the therapist or your partner, what are they working on? And when they, when I see them doing a compulsion, what should I do? What should I say? And it might be that one partner says nothing. It might be, you know, it would be better if you don't say anything because they're already getting input from the therapist I'm already saying something. And so it might just be better for you to be silent about it because it's just throwing oil on a fire. It's not helpful. Or it might be when you see your child doing that, you might say, I'm sorry to see that your OCD is bothering you right now, just to help point it out for them. But some kids may not want you to point it out. And so you really have to have a dialogue with the therapist. If you have one, your partner, if they are the one that's like spearheading the OCD battle, because what I've noticed is normally with couples, one parent is kind of taking the lead on this, which is, which is totally understandable. Cause if you have too many you know, cooks in the kitchen, the ingredients get messed up and then, you know, the end product isn't great. And so we can't be everything and everyone to, you know, in our family, we have to divide and conquer. And so a lot of times, you know, we have one partner's Doing other things, and the other partner might be the one that's reading about OCD, going to therapy appointments, and they may know better what the role is than the other partner. And so, you want to tap into that. You know, I provide online courses to walk you through that, and so you can always take one of my courses. I have How to Teach Your Child to Crush OCD, and you can learn more about that at AT Parenting Survival School.com if you need kind of like a blueprint to walk you through, but also. You can read a book about it. I like John March's Talking Back to OCD. It's a great start. It's an old book, but it's a good book. Talk to your therapist, call no an CD and get no an OCD therapist. Like there's a lot of resources out there for you to get started. But the biggest message that I'm hoping that you're going to get today is rationalizing is not good. So less is more on that one. <laughs> Don't do it. You know, just that do that little psychoeducational piece in the beginning and then stop. And then find out what would be the best thing to say to your child. And sometimes they're the best resource. They're the best place to start with. What do you want me to say when I see you doing a compulsion? Now that's different than when they are involving you. If they're involving you, you might say to them, because you're in charge of yourself, you're not in charge of them. So you can't control necessarily whether they do compulsions or not. You don't want to be the OCD police because you're going to do all the things I already talked about, create more shame and guilt and make OCD go undercover. But you do control yourself and it is important to look at your role in your child's OCD journey and pull back your accommodations. And partly you're not going to know to do that until you take a deeper dive on OCD and you understand how parents can grow their child's OCD. A good program for that or a good book is Ellie Leibowitz's Breaking Free from Childhood Anxiety and OCD. That's a good one. I actually do a video study guide on his space program in my online school for those people who are more visual and want, you know, things in a video format. But learning what you do to grow the OCD. So if my child says to me, "Did you touch eggs today?" Let's go back to that example. I'm not going to say, "No, I didn't, so I'm not contaminated." Right? Or I'm not going to say, "It won't matter if I touched eggs because even if I touched them, I probably would have washed my hands and so I'm not contaminated." Because that's rationalizing, right? I wouldn't say, does it matter if I touched eggs or not? Because, you know, unless it's raw egg, I don't have even a potential for salmonella. No, that's rationalizing. But what I might say is to my child, from now on, if you ever ask me if I touched eggs, I don't want to grow your OCD. I love you. And when I reassure you and say, no, I didn't wash, I didn't touch eggs. Or I reassure you and I say, I did, but I washed my hands, I promise. I'm talking to your OCD and I'm helping you complete a compulsion because you're checking and checking is a compulsion. And so from now on, when you ask me that, which you do often, I'm going to talk to your OCD because I love you and I don't want to grow your OCD bigger. I'm going to say, I may or may not have. Or I might say, um, I love you and I'm sorry that your OCD is trying to talk to me. Or I might say, I love you, so I'm not going to talk to your OCD. Whatever it is, right? You pick yours. And I'm talking to you now, not, not the kid (laughs) in my role play, but I would, I, I think it is good to, to preface what you're going to do before you do it. So that in the moment, it's not a surprise for them. So then in that moment, when the next day, my child says, Hey mom, did you touch any eggs today? And they know that I had already said, I'm not going to answer that. But OCD is so demanding that they just want to give it a try. And then I would say, I may or may not have touched eggs today. And I'm going to tell you that because I don't want to grow your OCD and they're, yes, they might have a fit and they might cry and scream and you're being so cruel, but the more I stick to my guns and I don't complete that OCD loop, the better long-term success my child will have. And so we want to know our role in that. And that goes back to knowing, you know, what I'm going to do, how am I going to respond if you, if you involve me in your OCD and what I'm supposed to say, if I see you doing something now, if it impacts the family. So sometimes maybe you have a deal. You're like, okay, I'm not calling out their OCD most of the time. I'm not trying to rationalize with them, but sometimes it impacts everybody. And let me give you an example from my own life. I'm trying to think. So my daughter had a lot of sensory motor OCD issues that impacted the whole family because she would need to pee a lot. Her, her OCD would tell her your bladder's not empty. You need to go pee again. You need to pee again. Um, It's going to be really embarrassing. If you have an accident, you don't want to have an accident. So she'd be peeing over and over again. And so if we're going on a road trip, she might say, I need to pee. Actually, this happened. I'll give you a real story. So we're driving to California a couple of years ago. My husband was alive and we're driving back from, from California. And she's like, I have to pee. I have to pee. So we stop, even though it, you know, there was like really, we're in the middle of nowhere. So we stop, she goes to the bathroom. Two minutes after we start driving, she says, I have to pee again. I have to pee again. And so I didn't say to her, You know, that's impossible. Your bladder is empty. You just went two minutes ago. You don't have to pee again. You know, you don't have to pee again. Because she does, she already knows that. She's very aware. So that would be rationalizing. And so instead, I said to her, I'm sorry that your OCD is bothering you. I'm sorry that your OCD is, you know, causing you discomfort. And if we stop again and you pee, what do you think your OCD is going to say to you? Now, luckily, I know my daughter is actually going to give me the right answer. Some kids may not, but she said in that moment, it's going to make me have to stop and pee again. And I said, that's right. And so we'll be stopping every few minutes for your OCD because your OCD is never satisfied. In fact, the more we stop, the more it's going to want us to stop. And so because I love you, where you're just going to have to sit in discomfort. And, you know, she just cried and cried and cried on the back. and it was loud and it was very upsetting (laughs) to drive on a road trip like that. But she was growing her OCD muscles and we weren't going to accommodate that. But I wasn't going to rationalize and say, stop, you already went to the bathroom. This doesn't make any sense. Your bladder is empty. You don't have to go because she knows that she knows that. And so We wouldn't want to lose that trust. So talking directly to OCD and saying what I already said, that's more powerful. It doesn't mean that the end result is any better as far as her crying, but the self esteem is more intact. There's a learning curve in that process. She's learning like I'm training her as I say those things, right? I'm saying, what is your OCD going to want? It's going to want more and more and more. So those are the kind of things that we want to look at. we we want to talk directly to the OCD and we don't want to rationalize because most of the time when you're dealing with OCD, you're talking directly to OCD and not your child. So before I end this, I do want to mention though, with anxiety, I do rationalize with anxiety and I do talk to anxiety and anxiety can be reframed and you can think of things. And so a lot of our kids have anxiety and OCD. So you kind of have to know who you're talking to. And that again, goes to parental education. That's why, you know, reading a book, taking my course, educating yourself in whatever way that you possibly can is helpful so that you understand the multitude of ways that OCD can pop up and that way you can differentiate it. But when I'm trying to think of an example, all of my kids have anxiety as well. So when my child is afraid of the dark then I might talk to them about, you know, let's talk about your safety. You know, how can, how can a bad guy get in? Oh, the doors are all locked. Yeah. And if someone tried to open the door, what would happen? Oh, the alarm is on. Yeah. I try to stay away from, I am right here. I'll keep you safe. Because then we develop kind of a secondary issue of them thinking that they're only safe when they're near you. And then you better make room in your bed because now you've kind of set yourself up for failure accidentally. And so we want to try to help our kids rationalize that they're safe. And so with anxiety, I talk about red thoughts and green thoughts. And a red thought is like, I'm afraid that, you know, a bad guy's going to break in. And a green thought might be, well, we have an alarm. We live in a nice neighborhood. The doors are all locked. Those kind of things. And so it is okay to rationalize with anxiety. Now with the metaphobia, the fear of throw up, sometimes it's called OCD and sometimes it's called anxiety. And you can rationalize with the metaphobia, but the way that you rationalize with the I may throw up, but I will be okay. And so you're still rationalizing in the sense that, yeah, your stomach hurts and you might throw up. And if you throw up, you're still going to be okay. You can survive it. You can get through it. So you can use rationalization. I'm now going to talk about the caveats of being rational in the moment. And even with OCD, because I'm thinking there is a way that you can rationalize, but you're not rationalizing the problem. You're rationalizing the situation. I'm going to give you another example that happened today with my daughter. Again, my 10 year old can't give you the details because I'm trying to keep her privacy on this particular theme as of now. But so she was having a huge issue going to school today because something triggered her OCD. It's a totally new theme and she didn't want to go to school. And so I rationalized with her, not about the thing that she was upset with, because we both knew that that was irrational. But I said, What is your OCD saying is the worst thing that can happen if you see this? So she was worried about seeing something that was going to trigger her OCD. And she said, My OCD said, Well, first she was stumped. She's like, I don't know. She was so busy worrying about trying to avoid the trigger. And she didn't go to school on Friday. And I completely had a mom fail because. (laughs) It's like so self absorbed. I wasn't feeling well on Friday. I woke up with vertigo, which is like still there, but not as bad. And it was really bad on Friday. And I felt really nauseous because I get motion sickness anyway. And so I was feeling really sick. And she didn't want to go to school. She was like in a complete panic. And I, she wouldn't tell me. She said, I don't know why. I just feel really anxious. I feel my stomach hurts. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I know I'm nervous, but I don't know why. And she did know why I, she just didn't want me to talk about it with her. that goes back to what I talked about earlier, how like it's normal developmentally for them to get a little bit more secretive and private. And it takes a little bit more to get them to talk, but it was also an embarrassing intrusive thought. So she didn't probably didn't want to share it. And so I assumed it was because I wasn't feeling well because, you know, she had lost her dad last year and, you know, it was kind of a freak thing that happened to him. Like he was Fine, went to bed and then, you know, died the next day. I thought that she was just really nervous. You know, it's like having one kidney. You're like, I don't want anything to happen to that parent. So I let her stay home because I knew she was gonna go right to the nurse's office and I would be called like within five minutes. So I said, look, you can stay home today, then we're gonna process this, and we're gonna talk about it so that come Monday you can still go to school. I figured it was my help. And so I thought I'd be better by Monday and then she'll go to school. It's not a problem. But it wasn't me. (laughs) It wasn't about me at all. And so, I mean, and we processed it over the weekend. We processed it actually later that day on Friday. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's not about me. But last night, Sunday night, stomach ache. I can't go to school. I won't be able to do it. I can't go. And so I had a rational conversation with her, but not about her intrusive thought. And so I think it's an important way to end this episode. Because I want you to be able to still talk to your kids and not think that you're doing harm, but it's how you talk to them. So you can talk to them in a rational way. And so I said to her, we had done a whole bunch of exposures on this last night. I've role played with her. And then we talked about, you know, OCD says, what's the worst thing that can happen? And she said, well, OCD says, I'm going to be really uncomfortable if I see this. And then I said, okay, can you handle discomfort? She said, yeah, I can. I said, you're like a superpower. Like you are so brave, so strong. Do you think you can handle feeling just a little bit awkward or uncomfortable? Yeah, I can. Okay. And so then we talked about like when OCD gives you this intrusive thought, just be like, you know what? I can handle it. You bring on the discomfort. It's fine. And so that worked last night a little bit. She did wind up sleeping in my bed because she was anxious. So not a hundred percent. And that's okay. It's messy. But this morning she woke up and she was like, I can't go to school. And I said to her, and again, this is rationalizing, but it's rationalizing around the OCD issue, not about the intrusive thought. And I said, if you stay home today, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? And luckily my daughter will kind of, you know, she's not oppositional. So she'll say, I'm going to want to stay home tomorrow too. And then I said, so let's say you stay home and then you can't go to school and I homeschool you, then what do you think is going to happen? And she said, well, then I might have a hard time leaving the house. I said, yeah, you will. And so then you may not want to go out to eat. You may not want to go on trips or vacations. And so you're stuck at the house. And then you might want to just stay in your bedroom because what if somebody accidentally comes to our house and you don't want to see them and you might be stuck in your bedroom. And we've had this conversation before when it came, when it has come to school refusal because she had school anxiety and school refusal in kindergarten, first grade. And so we talk about how it's a snowball. And, and I said, and she's sitting there on the floor, kind of getting her shoes on and Or debating whether to go to school at all today. And I said, this is the moment where it all starts right here, right now. When you don't go to school today, after not going to school on Friday, this is a slippery slope. And once you go on that slope, you may not be able to stop it. And so I said, you can go to the nurse. If you don't feel well, I said, what's the worst that can happen? And so she has a too. So she said, well, if I feel really nervous and I see the trigger, then I might throw up. And I said, you might. Do you want me to get you a bag and so you can have it in your backpack? No. <laughs> and what I'm doing is I'm getting her to accept the worst case scenario. Be prepared. That's okay. I actually, I, ha- I have a history of metaphobia and I keep a plastic bag, like a dog poopy bag <laughs> in my purse. Uh, I also have social anxiety and my kids have a metaphobia. And actually my, the one that I'm talking, the daughter I'm talking about, she actually has thrown up when she gets nervous, especially in the past at the airport. And so I carry plastic bags in my purse. And so I said, you want to put a plastic bag in your backpack? No. And I said, if you feel sick, you can go to the nurse. And then when you are at the nurse and you feel better because you're a brave, strong person, then you can go back to class. And she had this deer caught in headlights look. And I said, if you call me and I pick you up, because that has happened a lot before I said, your OCD will have such a big victory that it will be very hard to dig yourself out of that hole. And so I have no problem with you going to the nurse and resetting, regrouping and going back. But if you call me, then it's going to be a slippery slope. And then I, I could tell that she, cause I think I made a comment like, you're not coming home today. If you go to the nurse, that's fine, but you're not con- coming home today. And I saw like total panic on her face. And so I pivoted and I said, because you want to read your kids and then you want to readjust your approach based on their reaction. I mean, that's what I even did in therapy. I would say something. and If I saw a response that looked a little overwhelmed, whether it was the parent or the child, I would kind of double back and say something maybe a little bit softer or, you know, give them a different option. And so I said to her, you're not trapped. You know, if you really need to come home, you can, but I know you're brave and you really want to try to power through this as best you can. And so I'm sharing this story with you because I did rationalize with her OCD, but not about her intrusive thought. I was rationalizing the aspect of giving in to her OCD and you know the slippery slope that can happen. So it's not that you can't have really good conversations that facilitate growth and strength. You just don't wanna to talk to the intrusive thought and rationalize with that, right? Does that make sense? Now, if for some reason, she said I don't care I'm not going or if you're trying to rationalize with your child or you know they're doing a compulsion and you say something about the compulsion you know in a way that we talked about is a positive thing and your child doesn't get better or they still do the compulsion that's not against you that's not a failure on your part and getting angry about that Also adds more shame and guilt on your child that they have failed you, that they are a failure. And I do want to do a whole episode on that. I think that'll be my next episode is how to not take your child's OCD battle personally. So stay tuned. I have that on my to-do list because I want to dive deeper on that topic. And I think it piggybacks really well with the topic I'm talking about today. But luckily for me today, my daughter went to school. It's 206. So I went to yoga, which is my new thing. Yin yoga is my new, new thing, which I love. Yin yoga, never heard of it. It's very therapeutic, especially for grief. I'm finding that it's really helpful. But anyway, I'm trying to take care of myself. So I'm doing a lot of that during the day. And so I was like, I'm not missing my yoga class. And it was like nine to 10. So I went to yoga, which actually was a good thing because then it got me like not focusing on her and not worrying. And I got out and like, I just grabbed my phone and I looked at it and I was like, sure that I would see a message from the nurse and there was nothing. So I'm going to go pick her up in about 40 minutes. And I believe she got through the whole day because I have not gotten a phone call. I don't know if she went to the nurse, but regardless, that's a huge, huge win. So we did talk to her OCD, but I never talked about her intrusive thoughts. So I hope that this helps you. I hope it kind of gives you an understanding of why talking to Rationally to OCD just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's completely irrational for you to do that. (laughs) So, I'm going to pull up my podcast because I'd like to end my show reading a review and show my appreciation. So, if you are finding my show helpful, please uh, hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcast. And if you have a few extra moments, you can leave a review. It greatly helps the show. And I always like to end my show reading one of them. But before I do that, I do want to mention that my free series survival tools for parents, raising kids with anxiety or OCD has started and it is going all the way through May. Let's see. You're going to be listening to this on May six, May 17th, and it ends on May 20th, but the replay will be up all weekend. And so if you haven't signed up yet and you want to You can register at series.com. The links will be in the show notes as well. And that's a great thing to add to this conversation because that whole series is about how do you approach your child? How do you build communication, motivation, trust? What are the kind of my ninja hacks on helping communicate with your child? And then how do you handle exposures? What are some ways to get some wins under their belt? And so it's a free series. Anyone can join. There's no financial commitment and you can watch the videos. I actually have like a series Facebook group that I open just for this series. And then I close it once the series is over and I do like bonus Facebook live classes on it and we have fun. I give Amazon gift cards away and get to know the people that are in the series. It's a series that I do twice a year, every year. And so I would love to see you over there. So join and then I will meet you. Over there in the Facebook group, but you don't have to be on Facebook. There is a series website. And so the Facebook group is just an added bonus. So I wanna read a review to show my appreciation from Bill Tressler. He wrote, Hi Natasha, my wife turned me on to your podcast. We recently became AT parenting members. My wife mentioned several times how she wished to have this knowledge wisdom earlier on. I concur. Just finished listening to the OCD Impact on Marriage episode. My heart broke for you as you shared about your husband. The loss could be felt over the sound waves. I'm so sorry. The Lord is a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. Thank you so much for investing in the lives of your listeners. God bless you and your family. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words. It has been quite a journey. So I'm glad that I can provide you with these resources and kind of have my brain back. It was a rough year, but I feel like I'm starting to have a memory again, partly. So. I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.